Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about making big midlife decisions, especially the decision to go vegan in midlife with Michelle Olander. Now, do you eat enough vegetables, my friend? (laughs) That's what we're talking about today. Personally, I'm not a fan of beans or mushrooms, so we're going to get into that too. (laughs) My guest says that she's always had a good relationship with vegetables. Michelle Olander is a certified life coach and podcaster committed to helping people limit or eliminate the consumption of animal products and create a vegan, vegetarian, whole food, plant-based practice. Through her podcast, Veg Your Best, Michelle presents tools and ideas that encourage you to pick a big goal and start right where you are now with what you've got. Now, Michelle has an interesting background. She earned a BA in Russian at Smith College and an MA from the University of Massachusetts in the History of Art and has successfully completed the Plant-Based Nutrition Certificate Program through Cornell University. Michelle's impossible goal is to help encourage a million people to move toward veganism through her weekly podcast, Veg Your Best, creating vegan challenges, coaching individuals one-on-one, and partnering with vegetarian and sustainable startups, side gigs, communities, and thought leaders. And I am super excited to share Michelle's story with you first because I met her when I was an instructor at the Life Coach School, but also because so many cool things came up for her big things in her life that needed some attention, and she decided to pay attention. She ended up making lots of big changes in her life, especially after 50. She was wanting more, and this is something so many of us can relate to. I want more. I'm looking for more. I'm just searching. Something's not right. I want more. But she felt uncomfortable with this because it's really hard for lots of us midlife gals to focus on what we want when everything looks so darn good on paper. It's exactly what happened to her. And then there's the vegetables, which ended up being a focus because of a parenting issue. She never thought she would go vegan until she stopped thinking that thought. Michelle also talks about food traditions in her family and the very important question of how to be a grandmother without butter and eggs. You'll hear it all today, one midlife mom's midlife journey that includes lots of change, lots of mindset work, and lots and lots of vegetables. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie. It is so fun for me to be here and see you. It is so fun because we met a couple of years ago at the Life Coach School. You never know who you're going to meet in your 50s at the Life Coach School. (laughs) That's right. That's right. There were a lot of young people in that group, very young people. And then there was me and there were some in in between ones. Uh, Yeah, you don't know who you're going to meet. So I was thrilled to hear about what you're up to because I thought, oh, good, Michelle and I can talk. (laughs) We don't need to wait for a podcast the next time. But for now, that was the main reason that we were brought together again. And the thing about who you meet, you never know who you're going to meet who's made a big, unusual shift in midlife that involves vegetables. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I, always, I always tell everybody to eat more vegetables and set an impossible goal. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. And so I really want to talk about... Um, kind of your path to figuring out that this was going to be a focus for you and how vegetables and becoming vegan have really, uh, really become a huge part of your identity, your profession, your focus at this point in life. So let's start with going in with just a little bit of what was going on for you in your 40s and what life was like before all these vegetables. (laughs) Before the vegetables? Well, I always had a good relationship with vegetables, but I also ate everything. There's almost nothing I didn't eat. I was never a picky eater. I ate all the, I mean, I would eat foie gras. I would eat caviar. I would eat 
octopus pickled pig's feet when I was a child. We ate pickled pig's feet from a jar. I don't know if you can even buy that anymore, but it used to be in the normal su- supermarket. Oh my so God. I was not I was not a faint hearted eater. I ate everything. And um and in my 40s, so I, my husband and I had built a, uh, a family together and a business together. And I always kind of thought of, even though I worked with him, you know, and it was my business too, I always thought of it as his business. Um, so in my 40s, my kids were getting older. I have to say that I kept thinking I wanted something more of my own, and I never really thought that it would because we had a lucky life. We had a nice life. I always thought anything that I would really get invested in would be work against the nice life we had, that it would take time away from everybody, that it would, I would be busy during vacations and I would be busy during the free time in the, that we had. So I will say that I had a little level of, mm, there must be a little bit more for me, but I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to mess things up. And something I run into a lot with people that I work with, a sense of "Mm, that's kind of asking too much. That's a little bit ungrateful of me. I have so much. Why would I ever want more? Wow. So why did you want more? I don't know. I think I wanted more. I think because I had a lot of skills and a lot of abilities and I had been trained in certain ways in school that just were not being used, that were just literally not being used. And I um, got my kids all educated and straight teeth and uh, <laughs> college, <laughs> college degrees. <laughs> That's so funny and so true. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, I was doing my part. Um, but towards the end of them being in high school, um, I had done a couple of things. I had been an art history um, fanatic in, in college. I was a Russian major. It was a strong history background. And I started just doing little things, pushing myself into the area of art history. Then I got my master's in art history, which I thought would definitely ruin my marriage. It almost did, I think. How old, how old were you when you did that? About 50. About wow, 50. That, that's a lot to go back to school. A lot of people are afraid to do that at that age. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are afraid. I had gone for a certificate program at University of Hartford first, and I thought that would just get it out of my, I just thought, oh, maybe just some <laughs> enrichment, you know, some enrichment would do it. And every time I, I dipped my toe into something enriching, I ended up moving forward, moving to more. Mm. But that, but that is a totally parallel um totally parallel life to the vegetables. The vegetables also happened. My youngest daughter was vegan for a while. And I was extremely, I mean, I was supportive intellectually, but I didn't love it. I didn't love that she was vegan. And I remember in Paris with her saying, you need to eat fish or chicken. I don't see you eating enough vegetables. So this was me not being supportive, really, of a vegan of a vegan journey at that point. And but, what was it about her situation that was turning you off? Like, where? Yeah, what was pulling I, you back a bit? Two things. Two things. One, I didn't really. I wasn't educated enough to know that you could really eat a very healthy, uh, protein filled, iron filled diet as a vegan. So number one, I didn't really know that. And number two, I didn't feel like she was choosing really, really well. Mm. So to support her, I started semi-grudgingly looking into it, educating myself about it, and trying to model choices I thought would be better for her when I would cook or when I would go out to eat. I would order uh, an array of side dishes. I would get just to try to help her order, because she'd look at the menu and go, oh, there's nothing vegan on the menu. Usually there is. Usually there is something you can get, except in really hostile environments, but you can usually <laughs> get some, some mushrooms and some greens and some beans and some grains, and you can usually put together something quite nice. And so I started doing that because I really thought she needed that. And then I started w- listening to podcasts of all sorts of 
extreme and ultra athletes who are vegan. Now, I'm not athletic particularly. I'm not extreme in any way. And these guys, and these guys were all maybe 15, 20 years younger than I was. But it gave me some sense that if they can do it, it can be done. And it can be done in a healthy way for people who are um, really using their bodies all, all the time. So that combination of things, trying to model for my daughter a better choice and educating myself, it kind of just snowballed. All the meantime, I was getting my master's in art history and I was, you know, doing all sorts of other things. And um, so Michelle, it's, par- it's parallel in the same way that you dipped your toe in and then you dove in. Yeah. Just, I think like, that- just like with your master's degree and enrichment, that you're very clearly very curious. And, you know, you were a little bit judgmental about your daughter and concerned about her choices and her health. And then as usual, you dipped your toe in, you learned everything that you could. It sounds like at that point, you were really curious about what's really going on with vegan and how can these super disciplined people who really care about their bodies performing at such a high level, what are they doing? It sounds like your motivation at that point shifted a bit to genuine curiosity. And then it sounds like you started to like it. Is that what happened? It it is what happened. It also made me, as I started to believe it was possible, I started to notice all the reasons why I would want to if I could. And I started to realize the reason why I never considered it is I never believed it was possible. I just didn't think it was possible. How would I how would I travel? How would I uh, entertain? How would I go to friends and family's houses? How would I have holidays? How would I go to France? How would I go to Italy? How would I <laughs> go to Iceland? I mean, what would I eat? What would I do? How would it make everybody um, shut down or be annoyed or roll their eyes? All those things. Slowly, I started to see some place where, well, maybe certain places it's no big deal at all. So when it's no big deal, I'll choose a vegan option. Hmm. And as you build those skills, and I do think, I do think vegans most of the time do need to build skills. I think it's very, very difficult to just do that overnight. I think you need to, we have a society, we have a culture, we have family, we have memories, we have an economy, all of which is built around not really paying too much attention to what, where our food comes from. So. Wow. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking, I do not like beans. What would I do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, beans are a very good example of a skill. Funnily enough, (laughs) a lot of people are very intolerant to beans physically. It's not just the flavor or the taste, but what happens is you need to develop your microbiome a little bit to handle that kind of uh, fiber that's in, in beans. So typically, um, and that happens with things like chia seeds, all kinds of things that are oh, very, but come very on, dense. There's a gross texture that comes with beans. <laughs> oh, really? do, you like, do you not like any beans? No, Lent- it's do you not like lentils? any of them. Lentils are fine. I had a bad experience with lima beans when I was a kid. And I think that is what did it. You yeah, know, lima beans are probably on the continuum of beans, more of a Mm. <laughs> and, and on Zoom, I'm wrinkling up my face like I'm three. <laughs> so we're jumping ahead a little bit. So let's yeah. go back to the story because I love the parallel thing that's going on in your life that you were craving more and you started searching in the direction of things that you were genuinely fascinated by art. So you dove yeah. in that way a little bit and more at that point looked like education. And then because you were just being a a great mom, you wanted to help your kid, but that took you in a direction where not only are you learning about being a vegan, but you're also experimenting it with yourself as a role model. And then it sounds like you said things snowballed. So tell me more about the parallel. What else was going on for you? I think what it also showed me in retrospect that I was um, more comfortable making choices that are a little bit new or different or upsetting the apple cart a little bit 
if I thought I was doing it for a family member, if I thought uh. I was doing it, if, that it was somehow congruent with my role as the wife, the helper, the mother, the daughter, yeah. the, the sister. Um, so hmm. it's, um, it was a way of, um, I don't think it's a, it is a area that I think many of us socialized as women really feel like we need to make it work for other people if it's going to work for us. And it's interesting. And I didn't notice it for the longest time, but it is well, very interesting. It, it sure is. And also being our age, we did grow up that way. I mean, first of all, you're not, most of us aren't very comfortable putting ourselves first. It's something we're encouraged to work on more. Certainly, if you listen to the women in the middle, we talk about this all the time. But yeah. the idea is that finally you're able, if you're comfortable, if you choose to move in that direction, you're finally able to put your own priorities on the front burner. Um, but we're much more comfortable in that helper role, putting our own stuff on the back burner, even if we don't think about that. It's just more, what can I do for you? How can I support and help you? And our kids, when they're launching into that young adult phase, there's lots of things to worry about. And, and we do enjoy a good uh, worry fest. Um, and that's in quotes. But you know, you were genuinely worried about your daughter. Mm-hmm. And so it made it much easier to test the waters. And then also it feels like there's less judgment when you're helping somebody else versus doing something a little weird. I a hundred percent might be considered agree. weird. I, I, I would say, and I say often, I, for good reasons and bad, I hid behind the people I love most in my yes. life. And I don't think it's not so much that I regret it, but once I noticed it, um, it was not making me closer with my family in a bid to be more um, supportive and loving and helpful. It didn't make me necessarily closer to my family because there would be just that little frisson in the back of my head that I can't do what I want because this is what I need to do. Mm. So, so th- I, I think a lot of us ha- can, can resonate with that. And a lot of the people I work with resonate with that, that they think, oh, and honestly, when I finally went vegan to jump a little bit ahead, it was because my dad had died of a, um, suddenly um, of a cardiac event. And my um, husband had just been told by his doctor, he really needed to get his blood pressure and, and cholesterol down. And I said, that's it for me. I'm out. I'm out of animal products. I'm done. Because I was close, but I called myself an excusitarian, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning I was vegan unless I had a really good excuse. And uh, my husband, I said, just you just be vegan during the day, breakfast and lunch, dinner, you can eat whatever you want. But let's see if we can help get that blood pressure and the cholesterol down. So even then, this really kind of primary event of my second, third act was because I was trying to do something for my, my family, for my husband. Mm. But it was a bit of a wake-up call. Wake-up calls are jarring, and it, it uh, kind of pushed you into action yeah. to stand it, up for yourself. For myself and to, and to be a more of a, um, instead of like, you do what you want, which I kind of am, I'm very much, I'm not particularly the best nag in the world. So this was, it was kind of hard for me to say, no, no, I think we really need to try this six to eight weeks, six to eight weeks later, his cholesterol was not in a level that needed medication. um, And his blood pressure was down. So, and then I just stayed there because um, I was like, this is actually not as hard as I thought it was going to be. But I feel that at that time I needed to hide behind my role as a wife. Mm. Interesting. I, I wonder if I, how I would have done it before. I don't know. I well, don't there's know. another confounding variable here, I think, because uh, you were also getting trained as a life coach. So when you're learning all of this mindfulness stuff and all of, uh, you know, increasing your ability to uh, catch what you're actually thinking, how, where were you in that part of your life? Yeah, not quite. 2015 is when I went vegan. Um, 20. 18 
No, 2019. My mom died. And that's when I first met you. My mom had literally just died. Um, oh. 2019 um, is when I started at the, at the um, life coach school and you were, you were my uh, instructor. Oh. And um, the, the year before that I had found Brooke. And I always say that I have never had a weight issue particularly but I found everything in life coaching through Corinne Crabtree, mm. who, who has a wonderful podcast about um, losing 100 pounds. Yes. And she's yeah. been on the podcast and I'll put oh, um, the I link to that, that episode. You did. I'll put the link to the episode in, in the show notes. She's hilarious and amazing. She's amazing. She is amazing. And through just listen, I was just, I could not not listen to her. I found her so, so amazing. Through her, I learned that her teacher was Brooke. Mm -hmm. I started listening to Brooke. And then I was just, I was pretty much hooked. So I was already a pretty, um, yes. I was already vegan. But this was like the next level for me. Interesting. Okay. So when you decided to make that change to be vegan, you were, were you 50? Oh, yeah. 50, 55. Okay. So you were in your 50s. And you were doing something that you never in a million years expected you would do. Never. And it became kind of presented to you as an option through helping your daughter. And then when your husband needed a little bit of help, uh, that's when, and, and the passing of your uh, dad, yeah. mm-hmm. that it was a wake up call for you and you made a decision. So I really want to um, just honor that because so many of us, aren't listening to those whispers and those ideas of, you know, what it is that we really want. And we're hiding behind all kinds of things, like you mentioned, excuses. And some of the other things I wanted to ask you about are the other thoughts that prevent people from doing what it is they want to do. And in this case, it's about becoming uh, vegan. But in, you know, you'll see that these kinds of thoughts get in the way of everybody for all kinds of stuff, you know, everything. Yeah. So what are some of these thoughts? So some of the thoughts are things like, so vegan can seem very all or nothing Mm. to people. And um, it does. When when I think of eggs, I'm like, come on. (laughs) Eggs Eggs were one of my hardest things to let go of. Yes. Like, wow. And also fish. Yeah, I eat that's so much a part of my diet. So it does feel like even though that's certainly not all the food groups or all the food options, it does feel like um, that would be really tough. Yeah, it it seems tough, but it actually is because there's so many foods you have such a I mean, I think maybe in in different at a different time in different locales different worlds. Um, it, it would have been hard to have such a rich diet as, but most vegans now can really find a very, very rich diet 30 years ago, maybe less so a hundred years ago, much less so, but it's, it's really very possible now. And I honestly never, ever miss. Um, I, I talk on my, my most recent podcast episode. The, I had one issue recently, which made me realize those thoughts that you're talking about. I was out we had terrible service at a pizza place. I was with my son and my pregnant daughter-in-law and my husband. And I ordered vegan pizza, no cheese, arugula, all the vegetables. And they brought it and it was slow. And my daughter-in-law is, you know, late, late in her pregnancy and she's tired. <laughs> she was really <laughs> tired. And, and I was thinking, oh, the poor thing. She came out with me and they bring me the pizza and it has cheese on it, not the mozzarella cheese, but it has just a small sprinkle of Romano on the top. And I felt all these old programming thoughts utterly flood back, like Mm. eat what you're given. Are you going to hold this whole table up for about a teaspoon of cheese, which you can probably mostly dust off? I mean, this all just came at me and I was so fascinated that that still is in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's still in there that you basically eat what you eat, what you get and like what you have, you know, very, very old school, but that's really how I was raised. And the idea of like, okay, so the, if, if, if I don't, if I send mine back, they're going to not enjoy theirs or they're going to wait, or they're going to sit there and eat it. 
and look at me not eating anything. It's just going to ruin. So I was obsessed with what they thought. Yes. And that I didn't deserve to have it my way, that it was just asking too much. What did you do? Well, the server stepped in right away and said, I'm so sorry. We'll box that up. And if anybody else wants it, you'll have a new one very, very quickly. And honestly, I could feel myself going, oh, no, I'll make it work. (laughs) I'll figure it out. And it was so fascinating to me because that's the first time something like that's I've, I've had to send things back or whatever, but it's the first time I really felt myself wanting to just make it go away. Just like, oh, this is too much. You know, what's so interesting about that too, is I'm new to having a food sensitivity. I have a lactose issue in the last year and it was probably there before, but I didn't know it. I didn't mm-hmm. put things together. Um, but I, I know that I've been guilty of this before is really judging somebody like you in that situation. I may have judged before I was aware of what I was thinking that it's not really a uh, like it's not going to make you sick. It's just a choice. So if it's just a choice, then there's some flexibility there. Mm-hmm. So that is the way uh, I definitely thought that for year decades, I seem to have a lot of friends who are vegetarian and vegans. And so I've dined out a lot with them and I'm used to all the requests and I'm used to sending things back as an observer. Mm-hmm. So it, in the early days, before I knew anybody like that, I definitely had thoughts like that mm. uh, because certainly any choice you make about what you're consuming is valid and you don't need it's not flexible if, if you don't want it to be flexible, you know, but I was not thinking that way at all. So I can see where your judgments were probably like, what are they going to think about my choice right now on so many levels? Yeah, I thought that. And I also just felt sympathy for them that they were going to have to sit there or, or eat without me. And, uh, but they did, I, I insisted they eat <laughs> and they did, they listened to me and the pizza wasn't so long. But it was one of those just like, it's such an illustration of that programming that you have. And if you grew up in my house, you ate what you were given and you absolutely you could say you liked it or you could say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. It's so funny. I married into a family where they comment on the food. So if they don't like it or if they have a lot of questions about how it was cooked and they may have a suggestion, it's what they all do. But in my family, you did not do that. No, it's so different. Just, said thank you. <laughs> thank you. And you ate. <laughs> That's actually that is, that is so, so funny. Um, so what are some of the other thoughts that you had about going in this direction? I thought that, um, okay, I think like, like many people, I thought, what if I can't do it? Mm. Um, what does that open me up to in terms of the judgment of others and my own judgment, but um, the judgment of others, if I can't, if I can't really do this, look wow. at me making a scene. That's how I look at it. <laughs> She's making a scene that she can't have this or that or wants this or something off the menu. And then cut to me two months, two years, whatever, down the line, eating, eating a hamburger or, or a hot dog somewhere. Um, so that, that was going through my head. Can I keep it up? Is it and, and it, interesting, like, what would be the big problem with that? I mean, yeah, it's, right? What would be, but in my head, that was going to be a big problem. It's so much of this fear of failure. I had a client um, recently, you know what? And I've had more than one client say this um, just about starting a new business and being very self-conscious of um, failure for what other people would think, even, even if it's nobody, they know (laughs) it's just those scary other people. And the same thing comes up with weight loss. If I tell people I'm going to lose weight and then I don't lose weight or I don't lose in the amount of time that I thought I would or whatever, what will people think? And what's so interesting is we don't typically think about what will people think when I'm successful? What will I think when I'm successful? And what does failure mean to me rather than to some mysterious other person who may or may not judge me? Yeah. And, and basically anything worth doing is worth failing a little bit at, at least a little bit, right? I mean, well, we, hypothetically, yeah, but we don't, we don't <laughs> grow up that way. That's for sure. <laughs> I know we didn't. You know, my mom, I, I can see my mom in my mind's eye when, 
when I ever say it's okay to fail, I can just feel her like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. I know. One thing that, I, uh, that I've done with people in my community um, is just to make a list of uh, tons of people who became successful after 50. And every one of them talks about failure. And any successful person, everybody talks about failure. Yet, yes. and even with this personal decision you're making about the food that you will consume, you still had those thoughts. So it's not Absolutely. like you were making a big investment or opening up a bricks and mortar or whatever. Even this tiny little part of your life, you have the same feelings about. It is fascinating. It is really fascinating. I, I, I totally agree. I think it, it's, and so for me, I think um, it resonated when I went through life coach training this idea of the thoughts, it, that's when I got this sense in my head, I never thought I could be vegan until I stopped thinking that. This whole concept I, I had in my head, it's impossible. It's not how we evolved. It's not how our culture uh, looks at things. It's not how our, our restaurants support us. It's not how we are taught by the pediatrician to feed our kids. It's just not it was just impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> and wow. And so, so and but when you start going, yeah, maybe parts of that would be impossible, but maybe not all of it. And the thing with veganism is for some people, it can be very, very all or nothing. And so th there's there's this term which can be kind of cringy, but it's the vegan journey. And I think sometimes I find that a little bit. Woo, not woo woo, but just a little bit cliche or trite. But the vegan journey is that as you start to limit and eliminate your impact on animals, then you see other ways to do it and you see mm. other ways and you begin rather than just going, nope, I'm completely, I'm completely out of it. Um, I have no footprint on those poor animals anymore. And, um, and that's pretty much impossible to do overnight. Because for me, the food was the first part, because that's the choice you make three, four times a day, maybe more often. Um, but then there are the other things in terms of the clothing. I didn't see how I was going to do without leather shoes, leather bags. I still own leather things that I had from the past. Um, I did not give them up. I have not given all of them up yet. And some people will will push back that that means you're not vegan. I say, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know about yeah. that. Who cares? <laughs> you do, And I guess that's the journey is you come that's up with, the journey. with your own path. Yeah. One of the things you pointed out in our uh, pre-interview work was this idea of traditions um, mm -hmm. that, that, that you grew up with and um, traditions and passing the torch uh, to us at this age in our families for a yeah. lot of the um, traditions and keeping them and, and, you know, starting new ones, but in particular, carrying on the old ones. I wanted you to, I wanted to hear more about that because as women in the middle, this is something that's a, a big deal. All of yeah. a sudden your mother or your mother-in-law, you know, doesn't want to do Thanksgiving anymore. She's had enough or somebody's not there anymore to do it. And you have to pick up the torch without being asked. <laughs> or there's so many examples, but how did you manage that when it came to food? Well, I think it started early. I, as All those years I spent being, as I said, the excusatarian, I backed off of, cre of, of cooking meats. I have uh, three adult children, all married. I have a husband. They all are excellent cooks. I just backed off bit by bit, by bit. Um, it, it's been years since I made the turkey, which I used to always make, but I haven't made the turkey myself in a while. Um, and I started to veganize the recipes that we made. Uh, we're a P Polish family. I'm half Polish and my mom's an old Yankee. Um, my husband's uh, from Canada, from Montreal, but his parents were both Poles. And so we have a very, um, and the Polish uh, traditional holiday meals are meat and dairy centric. They are, there's no question. I just don't make those things anymore. And bit by bit, and it's gone over okay with his family. Uh, and we, we celebrate Christmas Eve, and I will have cauliflowers and mushrooms and 
uh, salads and cabbages. And I mean, I'll have lots of food, just won't be any meat or dairy. If they bring their own, I don't have. So some people might say I shouldn't allow it in my house. I do because I am the only vegan in my, in my home. Um, but it's, it, it starts bit by bit hmm. and it's um, possible. The last item of food that I ate knowingly that was um, that, that I knew had, had uh, butter and eggs in it was a cookie that my mom made before quite a long time ago. I found it in the freezer <laughs> after she was dead. I was oh cleaning out the freezer and it was these special, um, special like shortbread cookies with almonds. And I sat there and I ate it <laughs> so, uh. and I don't feel bad about it. So, I mean, that it's not that I have no, um, no connection with those old things, but I, they just don't belong in my life anymore. Well, and, what's and, so I'm, a gra- and I'm a grandmother now. So, I mean, I have to now kind of reinvent my idea of what's a grandmother without eggs, butter and. uh... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was first I was I was just going to say, like, it's, you know, when you have you're surrounded by young adults and people who can cook, your husband can cook so they can still eat what they want. They can go to a specialty store. They can order at a restaurant. They can bring it in. But it doesn't need to be part of your life. And as a grandmother, you're right. It is an opportunity to reinvent what that means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody along the, on, along the lines said we should have a view of 150 years. And um, my grandparents, who I was very close to, were born in the 1890s. Um, and now I, I have these new grandchildren who are just, just starting here. So I expect they'll be, what, another 90 years or so. So it's kind of like, I feel like I'm this connector. And my job is to do the best I can to translate the best of what I inherited, using the best that I know now, and offer it to the next generation. And they will hopefully translate it the best way that they can for for their future. Wow, that's beautiful. And thinking about yourself as a connector is such a positive way to think about the changes you've made. I, I hope it is. I mean, I was so I I I I was lucky to have um, grandparents that really. I always think, how would I how would I be me without those grandparents? They were so so just loving, um, and they had tough lives. They really had yeah. tough lives. Um, and they made me feel very, very special. And they didn't have um, all the options I have in my life. So I feel like I need to be super intentional about my choices because they had to make the best with what they were offered. I have a lot more agency than they, than they were able to uh, offer. Yeah. So- I love thinking about this, though, uh, as a grandmother, like so many times at this age, we're thinking about reinventing ourselves, which is what you did. Mm. You did it a little bit intentionally with your, uh, you know, going back to school Mm -hmm. and going to grad school uh, older. With the becoming a vegan, it was kind of a sneak attack, like kind (laughs) of snuck on you. Um, But to think about reinventing yourself as a grandmother, I talk about um, thinking very carefully how you want to show up as a parent of young adults. Yeah. You know, so much of the time we have, it's very easy to think very negatively and, and get really weirded out by becoming empty nester, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a loss, it's something that is less than it was better mm-hmm. with the kids and it's worse without the kids all or nothing, mm-hmm. but to instead reimagining and reinventing yourself as a, as a mom of a young adults and thinking very intentionally, how do I want to show up in that role? It's a beginning. It's not an end. And so with the grandchildren, you have an opportunity. It's a beginning to define your identity and what it is that you want on purpose rather than just doing what was done as much as you loved it, but you can pick and choose. Yeah. Well, I think, and you know, I, the empty nest thing did not hit me that hard and I'm not sure exactly why. I feel, I think I always felt my kids were never going to um, 
be gone for very long. I don't <laughs> I, I think I never felt I'd be. And they do just come back. I mean, they don't live yeah. with us, but they're back a lot. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is about going to grad school in my 50s. I was busy getting grades, writing papers, taking tests when they were um, either at end of high school or early college. And it gave me a lot of compassion for their uh, work as students. I was not, I wasn't just like, tell me your grades, what you're not working with. I knew what it was like to have a once a week class and not do any of the week on any of the work (laughs) until an hour before the class. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, empty nest stuff is funny. That's also sneaky. Um, I, I always say that it's, it's something that we're, you know, we've had 18 years to prepare, but we're not often prepared. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with we don't know what the kids are going to do. You know, yeah. if they if they move really far away, like the other side of the country, that tends to, uh, you know, you have different thoughts about that than if they go to a, a school where they can drive home every once in a while for mm-hmm. a fun weekend. Um, but a, a lot of stuff in midlife is sneaky. We're not prepared for some bizarre reason. Well, we've created all these adults and they all have their own agency and ideas and friends. And, you know, we don't we we don't have that kind of um, control that maybe we had. But I loved I love teenagers. I had um, there were there were bumps <laughs> there were bumps <laughs> in the road. <laughs> I won't say there weren't. But I actually really enjoyed teenagers and I enjoyed their friends. Me too. Um, yeah. So. I agree with that. Um, and at one time I wrote a blog. Again, I'll put this in the in the show notes, but I, I wrote a blog uh, when my last kid went to school and I called it something like Ode to the Neighborhood Friends because mm-hmm. I really felt such a loss that they all left. Like there was such a tight group of neighborhood friends. And when my youngest went away, he wasn't the only one who went away. They all went away. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. So what would you say now that you're a couple of years in and you've like navigated through all of the uncertainty and the fear about what would people think? And this seems so hard and impossible. Now you're on the other side of it and you're, you're actually helping more people um, through this lifestyle choice if it's what they want. So looking at your views and your accomplishment and where your mindset's at now, what comes up for you? What would you say to other people? Where are you at with that? Well, I will say that across all of it, through my graduate degree, through life coach school, through going vegan, I have gotten very used to the idea of sitting somewhere and going, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. Why did I ever do this? And no, and really feeling like this was a mistake. (laughs) And feeling all that, that level of like, but now it makes me laugh a little bit. I mean, I giggle because, but all through it, I have found myself sitting going, I could just be, I could just go watch Netflix. I could go do something else. I could go for a walk. What am I doing? And so this is what, so knowing now that's going to come up and it doesn't mean anything went wrong. It really doesn't mean anything went wrong. If there's a, if I want to change it, I can, but that feeling always goes away. It always goes away. Um, But sometimes you've, you've started, you've started something. You're like, it would be really much easier to quit right now. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But knowing that you're not going to die, like you can change your mind. You can fail. You can go all in and think about what it's going to be like when you're actually helping people and what it's like for the people to be out there just waiting for you to get over yourself and find them and give them the help that they need. Uh, So it must make you um, really show up differently for your kids, for your family. And on the podcast, having been through that giant transformation yourself. I I think ultimately that is what I am. I demonstrate is that you don't have to be the most super talented podcaster. You don't have to be the most super perfect vegan. I, I'm not, I'm an okay cook, but I don't spend a lot of time cooking. I'm an assembler. I have great ingredients and I put them together and I eat nutritiously. I, I'm not a, a chef by any means. I don't talk about food really on the podcast ever. 
Um, I show my lunch on Instagram. <laughs> that's about it. I, just so people know, it's not a restrictive thing. I, I um, that's that's the one area I do. I I have gotten um, especially among from other coaches, but from other people in general. I've been really accused that um, accused people have said, kind of, Michelle, you're promoting a restrictive, unhealthy diet. I believe that that's not true. I, um, I don't ever, ever um, encourage anyone to be restrictive. I want them to eat all the things that they want to eat. This is not about giving up nutrition. It's only about giving up certain uh, footprint of, of where your nutrition comes from. Um, but, I, but I do think that some people have used a vegan lifestyle and diet to not be good to themselves. And this is really important to me that this is not a new stick to beat yourself with mm. being vegan. It's really important that this is done out of love for self, love for the environment, love for um, our climate. Um, many, many people much smarter than me have um, people, people, I'm sure that, you know, like David Attenborough and Jane Goodall, these are people who have really asked us to really limit our animal imprint, um, our, our animal footprint, how we, how we um, nourish ourselves. So that's why I often don't talk about health um, because mm-hmm. your health to me belongs be- a decision between you and your doctor or your nutritionist or a scientist. Um, so I don't really ever give anybody any, um, any uh, advice about health. But if veganism or vegetarianism or moving in that direction resonates with you, I'm someone who's been on that path and I can help. I love that. And, and I also know that you would advise people to be brave enough to just do even a little bit, like, like you just said, just to move a little bit in that direction. And then you can make another decision. Exactly. They all, it's all one decision at a time. Always. If you get ahead of yourself and if you worry, I mean, if you, I I sometimes I would say there's no wrong time. People say, yeah, but I've got a wedding to go to. I didn't eat wedding cake at my daughter's weddings at my, or my son's wedding. I didn't feel like I messed, messed, missed anything. I was at their wedding. I enjoyed it. And they didn't happen to have a vegan wedding cake. So I didn't need it. But if you, if that is important to you to eat a wedding cake, eat it. Don't wait till the wedding's <laughs> over to start. You know, you can, you need to practice all these skills all along. All oh, along. that's so, that's so good. And what I love about your approach to this is that it really is about deciding what you want and figuring out how to overcome your objections. Like, what are you thinking that's getting in the way of what you actually want? Right. You're not convincing anybody to do anything no. except find what they're thinking. And if it's something that they really want, then you need to challenge yourself on what's getting in the way of you moving toward what you want. And as you know, and I know, and anybody who listens to this podcast knows, it's your thoughts. And if you're coming up with excuses, and if you're feeling fearful, and you're pulling back in any way, dig deeper and really look in that direction. Absolutely. And, and this, this works. For, yeah. And it works for any goal you have. It's the same. It's the same technique, no matter what goal you've got, is all this stuff comes up, no matter what the goal. Absolutely. So tell us, where can we find your podcast? What's it called and where can we find it? It's called Veg Your Best. Veg, uh, spelt like hedge, V-E-D-G-E, Veg Your Best. And that, um, I'm vegan and I, I live a vegan lifestyle to the best of my ability. Um, but the people I work with, what I aim for, you don't have to be vegan I, I, I like you to eat more vegetables. Let's see, let's, see, let's see how I can get you to eat more vegetables. I'm going to challenge myself to like a bean. That's what I'm going to do. One bean. When my son was a little boy, he didn't like vegetables and he, uh, he didn't like green peas. And I would get, literally ask him to eat one, two or three green peas. How tiny were they? <laughs> now I actually do like edamame. That counts, right? Oh, of course it does. I That's enjoy good. that. Do you like chickpeas or hummus? 
I do. I like it blended, but no, I don't like a chickpea by itself. And that's yourself. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> it all works. It all works. <laughs> I'm on my way. Thank you, Michelle. I absolutely love having you on the podcast today. And I love your story because heading into your 50s, you knew you wanted more and it kind of took you in two directions. You really didn't know what was going to happen, but both of those directions, diving deeper into art and diving deeper into more vegetables, it all worked out so well for you. So thanks so much for sharing today. Your podcast is awesome. Thank you, Susie. And, it, and, and that, that, uh, that journey led me to meet you too. So that was pretty <laughs> awesome as well. That's right. Super, super fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode. So what did you think? Do you find yourself wanting more, but hesitating or hiding behind other family members' goals and priorities? If you do, notice any resistance and try to find those thoughts around what, like what's going on for you. If you feel a hesitation or resistance to something that you know that you want, you owe it to yourself to pay attention and see what you can learn about what you're thinking. That is being the queen of your brain domain. And as a midlife coach, that's my job. I want to help you become that queen of your brain domain. And what this means is learning how to get better at catching yourself in the act of thinking forward and wasting less time spinning and feeling stuck about what you want and how to get there. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Now, if you want to go faster and have more fun, the bottom line is that change is easier and better with coaching and support. And I can help. You really have to join us in the Women in the Middle Academy. It's my six-month group coaching program where you get the coaching you need to apply what you're learning here in the podcast and get the clarity and excitement in your life again that you have been looking for. So don't waste another second feeling stuck. Book your momentum call and we will take it from there. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com for show notes and links. And they are, there's so many links, great links in today's show. Go to www.susierosenstein.com and click on the podcast tab to find the information about this episode. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay.